they're not sanctimonious holier than thou like Bible people. They're just like a very curious monkey. This is Chapel Bell Curve. I'm Justin. And I'm Nathan. And today we're getting in our trucks, going on a trip down to Sanford Drive to see the Auburn Tigers take on your Georgia Bulldogs right here in Athens, Georgia. Uh, the Deep South's oldest rivalry? Is that this one? Is that the most hated rivalry? No, it's Do we hate these guys? What's going on, Nathan? What's the deal? Yeah, so this weekend, your second-ranked Georgia Bulldogs, who are still somehow, despite a an oft-talked-about performance up in Como, still undefeated 5-0, and are going to be taking on Auburn, the War, the War Eagle Plainsman. And we are going to be breaking that down in two ways. First, we'll be doing our qualitative review where we talk about some newsy items and we sing and dance and put on our little caps and um, <laughs> and perform yeah, them, yeah, yeah, yeah. and perform the, the, the musical newsies uh, in a la young Christian Bale. <laughs> and then we will be going over some history. I think that I have I've, I've lined up a pretty good history segment here for you, Justin. And then we will Mm -hmm. be getting into our quantitative preview where we talk about some stats. We're going to talk about some players to know, uh, some sort of just general who is this Auburn team. And then we'll be making a prediction. And on our way out, we'll be talking a little bit about some games of note around the nation. So let's start with, uh, do you want to start with some newsy items here? Let's get get our qualitative preview going. What do they say? Do they say, paper? Yeah, let's get our, you know, if we're going to keep making this joke, one of us really should actually watch the movie Newsies, I think, because I have not seen it. You keep making references to it. All I know about it is that I have this picture of uh, a very young Christian Bale and a a fetching waistcoat and a little vest, Mm -hmm. uh, and he looks very defiant, And I, but I don't know. Uh, Anyway. That's important. Yeah. I have some quotes. Most of these are from Seth Emerson's Twitter account because he is is I think the preeminent sort of news reporter on the Georgia beat. So a couple of things I looked at uh, in the media availability this week, Kirby Smart said, or Nazir Stackhouse actually said that defensive linemen won't be doing pregame walks around the field anymore in order to avoid a repeated situation in Missouri. This is good because starting sort of a fake fight before a football game is only cool if you then win that football game convincingly. Which we did not. Yeah. And one of the people who started that fight then sprained his MCL. So it's like, let's just, let's not do that. <laughs> uh, as we probably, as we, we've talked about Tate Rattledge quite a bit on this program and his sort of progress coming back from the injury. Uh, Kirby also in his media availability this week said that Tate Rattledge is not 100% and that he's still actually having some problems with his foot. He had a Liz Frank injury, I think is how you say it. Liz Frank injury. Uh, in the opener right. against Clemson last year. Yeah, 2021. Yeah, like she's the in... Trapper Keepers and the Stickers? <laughs> no. That's Lisa Frank. <laughs> dumb, dumb. <laughs> but Kirby said he's probably not 100%. He said, quote, he never tell you, but he fights every day out there because that foot is a long process to get back from. That makes sense. He, Tate Ratledge, that is, has struggled a little bit in when he's in zone uh, run concept plays and i think part of that has to do with the fact that those plays involve you being really light on your feet and the problem with a liz frank is that it is a weight bearing injury and for someone who weighs you know upwards of 300 pounds 
weight-bearing injuries are you know, hard to come back from. Uh, we also found out mm-hmm. this week in media availabilities that Smile Munden has a nagging ankle injury. Uh, truly the worst joint in the body, the ankle, IMHO. Um, he's, Smile Munden, yeah. he's been practicing with a base, uh, with a brace, and he's struggling a little bit after <laughs> he hurt his, with a base. Yeah, he has an upright base, and he, Smile Munden does. Anyway. Yeah, can't he, play music, or can't play football, so he's playing music instead for now. Yeah, uh, man, the, he, I bet he would, he's so cool on upright base. But anyway. So this is per Seth Emerson again of The Athletic. He said that Smile Munden is struggling a little bit uh, after hurting his ankle during the Missouri game. He returned to the game, but Kirby Smart indicated that Munden is Munden is still bothered by it and referred to a next man up mentality, an inside linebacker. I guess he played on pure adrenaline because he's able to get back in there and play, Smart said. So we might expect that outside of, and I'm going to try to say his name correctly, Jamon Dumas Johnson. I said Javon several times on our last That's okay. uh, on our last pod episode, uh, but it's Jamon, J-A-M-O-N, Dumas Johnson. So outside of him, I expect that we would see some rotation there if Smile Munden truly does have an ankle injury. You know, one of the things, this is this is a team that likes to run it, Auburn, that we're about to play, and they're a team that by, by force of necessity has basically been forced to play a quarterback who can basically only throw the ball deep and run. So having an inside linebacker who is at 100% set, you know, that's going to be really important in this game matchup-wise in particular. So I expect that we'll see a healthy dose of Xavier and Sori, uh, zero. I think he's number zero coming up coming up in this game. Let's see. Other notes. This is from, I believe, Nathan King at the Auburn 24-7 right uh, website. Brian Harson, in response to a reporter saying that Stett isn't the most athletic guy in the world, replied, I'm not sure Stetson would say that. I was fortunate to coach a guy who probably wouldn't call very athletic, who won more games than any college quarterback ever. So a little bit of uh, lip service to Stetson Bennett from Brian Harson, as though Brian Harson isn't going to lose his job if he doesn't if he loses this game by a lot. Oops. Yeah. Uh, this here's one that I want to get your response to. I, I, I'd like to get a mm-hmm. I'd like to get an emotional response to this. This is from Nathan King at Auburn 24-7. Auburn center Brandon Council on Georgia's defensive front said, if we keep them out of their third down packages, we can demolish them, I believe. Do you have any... Uh, oh, what an astute re- observation. Yeah, do you have any responses to that <laughs> emotionally? That's basically it. Wow. Wow. <laughs> He's so uh, smart. Yeah. If one team has more points than the other, they'll win the game. Well, you know, that is a little bit more intelligent than what I just said. But still, like, yeah, yeah sure. Okay, and and good luck also. <laughs> yeah, well, also considering that the offensive line has basically been the center of Auburn's problems this year. They basically are down mm-hmm. two quarterbacks because their offensive line is not good. So that's that's strong talk. That's strong, yeah, strong talk. And, and I feel like because the, the offensive line at Auburn has been as bad as it has been, um, we'll be okay. I mean, I, I don't think we're going to have... We're going to sit and we're going to go straight to third down like every single time. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty um, sure we're going to get them in some third down positions. Also, I just. Yeah. Uh, I, when you're when you're favored by when, when you're a twenty nine and a half point underdog, maybe just keep it to yourself. It's hard to do the us versus for the, the world success thing. Rate for this team, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's hard to do. Very average. Forty one percent. I know. I know. <laughs> it's below average. It's hard to do the us mm-hmm. versus the world thing when you're talking crap about a team that has been, has been better than you. All right, here's, a, here's the last thing from Seth Emerson for our, our Newsies segment. Now I'm just imagining Seth Emerson in a Newsies outfit. He's a he's a real tall... Alongside. 
he's a tall, gangly fella. I bet he would look good in a in a vest and a little cap. Anyway, oh, um, so he has this note I, about. I was Eric. looking at, at Newsy's quotes for you too, just so you know. And uh, uh, okay. the more and more I see Newsy's quotes, the more and more I think this may just be the official musical of Chapel Bell Curve. Uh, it's all about unionizing, you know, breaking down capitalism. Mm-hmm. Though there are some underlying like libertarian undercurrents in there. The, mm-hmm. and I'm not too wild about that, but it is what it is. I'll just give you minute by minute. That's how we win it. That's mm. another one right there. Lots of we, lots of us, mm-hmm. lots of uh, us against the world. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm happy that we have an official... It, we have an official everything else, so we might as well have an official musical, I suppose. Yeah. When, when we said viewing party, we said we meant newsies. Oh, my That's God. That's what's happening next Saturday. Uh, so. <laughs> last note from Seth Emerson. Please, God, help me. Uh, about Eric Gilbert. Kirby Smart sounded pretty upbeat or somewhat upbeat about Eric Gilbert's practice to get back into shape and onto, you know, playing with the team. He said, I'm really uh, proud of Eric's progress and what he's done to contribute to be hopeful. Uh, and I continue to be hopeful he'll contribute to help us. He didn't suit up at Missouri, but was on the trip, which Smart said was to keep him connected with the team, adding he's got a great rapport with players. So it sounds to me like Eric is or Gilbert is maybe either having some academic issues or some real life issues. So we of course wish him the best with that, but it sounds as though that he is going through that process. You would like to see him out on the field. This is a team that needs, we've talked about this sort of ad nauseum on our Missouri review, but we, we need pass catchers that can get some separation, especially in short throws. And that's something that Eric Gilbert, Eric Gilbert can do in particular in the red zone where Georgia has had problems. So, Hopefully we see him at least suit up this weekend, I would say. Do you have mm-hmm. any do you have anything any thoughts about you know how any of those news items like where we are coming into this game? I don't think that we're at like a pivotal moment quite yet as a team so far, but I do think that we have some big question marks, some big glaring question marks that uh, fans are going to want to have answered just as much as the team and the, the coaching staff. And so I'm hoping that we come into this with a, a more defiant uh, performance. You know, we, we hoped Missouri would look like that, um, you know, coming into officially uh, a, a big uh, lineup of SEC play. But maybe that was just, you know, shaking off some cobwebs and getting used to it again. Maybe this Auburn game will really sort of show us what we can expect for the rest of the season. Or injuries will just keep plaguing us until the end of our days. <laughs> so we'll see how it goes. Uh, so I have a history segment for us. Uh, first, I would like you would, you, would you pull up that Winsipedia League? And I would just like us to look at the, love to. the most interesting Winsipedia in Georgia program history. You can look, you can follow along with us on Winsipedia.com. And especially easily, if you give us $5 a month or more on our Patreon at patreon.com oh. forward slash chapel bell curve, where you can get access to our show notes. Will you run down? Will you run this down uh, for the fine folks at home there, Justin? Because I think this is a good oh, one. Yeah, I'll run it down for you. This is a good one. There's actually, you know, a lot of back and forth on this one, which I really like. But the series thus far, Georgia 62 wins. There's eight ties and 56 wins to Auburn. We are currently on a five-game winning streak for Georgia. The largest margin of victory in this series history is 41 to zero for Georgia and 44 to zero for Auburn. The longest win streak is nine for Georgia. And uh, longest win streak for Auburn is six, but that happened in, uh, let's see, between 1953 and 1958. Ours was 1923 to 1931. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, just a, a great recession of winning. Um, 
on every other metric for Georgia, they are leading this series other than Heisman winners. Auburn has three and Georgia has two, but everything else is pretty even mostly, I would say, but Georgia still ekes out just a touch further. And so and this is one of those, I guess, rivalries where the, the you know, the, the name of this rivalry is truer than many other rivalry rivalries. You know, like we have good old-fashioned hate with Georgia Tech, and it's just very much not a situation we think about much anymore. However, this rivalry seems, you know, a bit more uh, substantiated by the history of the two teams. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Uh, well, I think it is interesting how this Auburn rivalry used to be really back and forth. If you start mm-hmm. in, let's see, if we start in 1990, it's an Auburn win, two Georgia wins, an Auburn win, Georgia win, Auburn win, Georgia win, Auburn win, Georgia win, Auburn win, Auburn win, Auburn win. Yeah. Now, uh, and then there's a couple of Georgia wins. But I would say the recent series history has been pretty dominating by Georgia since 2004. Sure has. The the since 2004 the this rivalry is 14 and three Georgia, uh, Georgia only having three losses in that time 2004 against Tommy Tuberville 2013 in the prayer at Jordan Hare uh, with Gus Malzahn as the coach and then another Gus Malzahn win in 2017 which was the Rose Bowl year when Auburn beat the crap out of us at Auburn so oh yeah this has been a pretty dominant game for UGA. And this is a game that Auburn hasn't won in Athens since, let's see, 2001 Ooh. was the last okay. Auburn win in Athens, which was a Mark Rick, Tarby, T- Tommy Tuberville game, which was Mark Rick's, I think, seventh, second season. So this is a historically very close rivalry between two sort of like hated rivals. These two teams kind of traditionally just messed up each other's seasons, just ruined each other. Uh, this, this is a rivalry that has had a lot of big moments, the prayer at Jordan Hare, the, the, you know, the Cam Newton game, which was the, um, which was a few years before that you have the Nick Fairley game, which was another year before that mm-hmm. you have, I mean, it, it kind of stretches back. I think every generation of Georgia fan can give you their sort of seminal Auburn moment. This is a game that I think no matter how old you are as a Georgia fan, there is some moment in the history of the Auburn Georgia rivalry that makes you furious if you are a middle-aged millennial like me, that moment is probably the the uh, Nick Fairley game when Nick Fairley hit uh, hit Aaron Murray late yep. like six times and never got called for it. I was actually class checking at that time, making sure athletes went to class. And the day or the Monday after that game, I saw uh, Aaron Murray. I was class checking him, and he showed up with ice on both of his shoulders, both of his knees, one ankle, and then one of his hips. So I have hated Nick Fairley to that day, to this day. Uh, I would I would fist fight him, but he did get arrested for threatening someone with a gun. So I guess I wouldn't fist fight him uh, because yeah. that sounds like it would be dangerous. Um, let's see, <laughs> history section wise. Before we get to our storylines, I've I want to I want to present kind of a different kind of history today because I can't Ooh. I don't I don't claim to be an expert on. The history of Georgia football, and I don't claim to be an expert on football in general, but what I am an expert on is my own life. So I'd like to take a moment and do a podcast <laughs> within a podcast here and just talk about Nathan okay. Nathan's history with Auburn University, because uh, I is, is that what the podcast is called? Uh, I don't know what it's called. Is it like Nathan Facts? I don't know what's it, what's the snappy name for this podcast? Nathan Facts. Podca- podcast. Nathan Facts. Uh, so Nathan News. Nathan News. All right. So here's some facts about Auburn. I almost went to Auburn. 
I I went to high school in Carrollton, which is a border county in Alabama. And the year that I graduated, I believe 15 graduates went to Auburn and only two of us, me and my roommate, went to Georgia. I actually Mm -hmm. was accepted there and had taken some visits to the campus and had gotten a scholarship to go there and and, in in-state tuition at the time. And I think still now they give free in-state tuition to border counties. Auburn does. Uh, and it got so far along that my dad bought me a bunch of Auburn paraphernalia for my 18th birthday, which was in February of my senior year. <laughs> and then I told him in like January that I was actually thinking about going to UGA and he had to get rid of like all of this Auburn paraphernalia because then before my birthday, I accepted a UGA offer. Uh, so that is one part of history is my dad going to like the Carrollton thrift store and putting a bunch of. Auburn stuff that he got me in Goodwill. Let's see. <laughs> in college, I was at a burger joint at in Auburn, Alabama, in the downtown of Auburn. I cannot remember what burger joint it was, but I was in a burger joint. And I and first, before I tell the story, I have to say that I was totally sober when this happened, which is actually way more embarrassing. And like 12 of us had gone there and it was a bunch of band kids because we, we were at Auburn and it was Auburn Spring Break and we were there for the women's basketball tournament and we ate all of these burgers and it was like 12 of us at a big table and i made some big gesture when i got up and i knocked the table over and i broke about 50 glasses (laughs) i actually think kyle Sargent might have been at that game um i'm pretty sure this was the the alburns trip so another thing that happened on that trip for that uh, for that basketball tournament which included uh you know which was at auburn it was at the auburn center or the auburn arena or whatever was that my my friend who was on the trip with me who was at the time playing spike the inflatable mascot he had just been dumped by his longtime girlfriend and he was in a really bad place and some stuff happened and that stuff's not important we don't need to get into that stuff but at some point my friend (laughs) who was kind of a smaller fellow decided that he was going to pee on the tumor's oaks. And this was about like three months after they had gotten poisoned and they were going to die. And I had to like bodily pick him up and carry him across the downtown of Auburn, this like very angry little man. And I like picked him up by the (laughs) shoulders and like walked him back to our bus so that he wouldn't get arrested. And I provided a reference picture of what this looks like. Uh, And it, it was very much like, you know, the scene in, Mulan where the guy gets really angry and then who's the little short guy gets really angry and then the big dude like picks him up and like rocks him back and forth. It's very much that moment. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. It's a it's a real shame that that hasn't happened in our lives yet because I can really see that being sort of the origin of our friendship. Yeah. Uh, it's a shame it isn't. I was an angrier young man. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't around you when you were that level of angry. He uh he uh-huh. was in the he was in a bad mental state, and I don't think he would disagree with me here. The before we came on the trip, he had used his beard trimmer to crudely shave himself a mohawk. You know, like when you really hit rock bottom. <laughs> you know. Oh yeah. You the know? classic. I need to cut all my hair. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Breakup story. Yeah. Exactly. So we all survived. No one got arrested. But I do have a long. I have a long history with Auburn. My my freshman year was 2006 and that was the Auburn game when we were unranked and we'd had a just absolutely horrible uh, season. We, I think we lost to Kentucky. I want to say that year. Um, And, and then we, we were coming to the game and I believe Auburn was ranked fifth 
And we ended up beating them 37 to 15. This was uh, Matt Stafford's freshman season. He went 14 to 20 for 14 of 20 with a with a um, a touchdown. But the the story of that game was that I believe Trey Battle had like three picks, one of which he returned for an interception. And I was there like down. It was just the one he returned for a pick six was just before halftime, I believe. And I was like down in that end zone getting ready to march and watched him run it in. And so that was like one of my first big SEC games. So I feel like like Auburn is one of the few places in the SEC that I've gone to a game as an Auburn fan. So I feel like that I have like the, this rivalry is like really in my blood. I, I don't consider Auburn to be our, our biggest rival because I've never had anyone from Auburn punch me in the face while I was in band or, you know, start a fight since then. But I do think it's it's, you know, it's a it's a rivalry that Who? I respect. I am forgetting where you were punched in the face. Uh, and I so, swear, if you say in my face, I just said that. <laughs> uh, South, Carol- the, South the Carolina was say. one. I got I got punched by a South Carolina fan uh, when I was hmm. in the end. And then Florida, I've been shoved and I've had like bottles of bourbon and or uh, big like stadium cups of bourbon and Coke thrown at me. LSU, I got hit in the head with a with a like a big stadium cup. Um, Georgia Tech, an old lady told me to go fuck myself. And um, <laughs> someone tried to take my hat as I was walking down on the field. Okay. Like we were walking behind the end zone to go march and someone tried to take my hat off my head, um, which I don't know why they what they thought they were going to do with it or whatever. Let's see. Um, I'm convinced that I think the football s- happens on Saturday so that everyone can go to church on Sunday. Yeah, th- I've, and, I've, you know. I've seen some. Yeah, I've seen some 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 poor human behavior. I've seen some things that people need to go to church yeah. for. That is definitely for sure. Uh-huh. Auburn, you know, Love I know that Jesus. I know that with some people, Auburn fans have a really bad reputation, but I've never had that experience. Uh, I, yeah, I, I know like people, I know people in the red coats that are a little younger than me have had like dog treats thrown at them at Auburn. Um, <laughs> it's funny because wow. the thing about the Auburn fan base is that they are, and I know I say this every year, but like if you go to an Auburn game and you just go to Auburn in general, and this is a good and a bad thing. It is not absolutely a bad thing, but it turns into a bad thing come football season. But the, it is the most Bible studying public college I've ever been to. Mm-hmm. It is it is like Auburn Jesus. Everyone there looks like they would go to a Wesley Foundation and acts like it, which is great. I got nothing <laughs> against Wesley Foundations. My dad ran a Wesley Foundation for a long time. But the problem is when they all get drunk, they're still that sanctimonious, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But also they're drunk <laughs> white trash, right? So it's like it's like a, a a group of older church women harridans who want to tell you that you're wrong because you don't love Jesus the right way, but at the same time want to say fuck you because you have on the wrong color. So there is a little uh, <laughs> there is a little bit of like uh like built-in auburn hypocrisy i think in Uh this rivalry i mean if if you i don't know if you remember this but like during the cam newton thing when there was this big ncaa scandal gene chizik's wife or no i think gus malzahn's wife i want to say kept on tweeting about like all in like auburn family like we're all in we're together like people outside don't understand and look the ncaa is stupid and cam newton should be able to pay for as much of his dad's new churches he wants with his money from playing football. That's fine. But it's like 
that is the core to me of the Auburn fan identity is like real actual faith tradition mixed in with sort of like a toxic strain of hypocrisy. It's like, I don't care that Auburn is crooked and dirty. That's fine. We all are. Everybody cheats. This is the SEC. But let's not pretend that we all went to walk for Emmaus and now we've come back different people. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's fine. Like, uh, you did Day Colores, and that's great. And I'm happy for you. You you sit your kids to Camp Glisten or whatever, and I'm happy for you there. These are all faith traditions I have. Ugh. So I feel... I feel like I am qualified too to close critique, to home, Nathan. To critique these, like I, I, I just want people to know. I don't want people to be like, "The this lib cuck talking bad about Christians." No, no, no. I grew up at the church. I understand this. You went to walk for Emmaus, and that's great. And I'm glad that your path forward in faith feels better. But then you came and yelled at me because I had on the wrong colors, and that to me just smacks of hypocrisy. Just don't, don't pretend. Every there, there's. There's somebody in every fan base paying $10,000 handshakes. You know, there's somebody in every fan, fan base now doing NIL inducements that are a little bit crooked. It's fine. There's no judgment. And honestly, I, I think that Jesus would want these poor athletes to get paid. I don't think Jesus would have any problem with that. The problem is acting like you're better than everybody else. <laughs> you are down here in the shit with us, Auburn. You know, I mean, deeper than any. You, I mean, you almost fired a coach. Just because, like, you didn't like the athletic director that hired him, like, three months ago. Which is fine, again. But let's not pretend that we're better than that. You know who Auburn's number one booster is, now that I'm on this rant? The number one money person who? in Auburn. Do you know who it is? Money person. It is I the don't. yellow fella. It is the guy from the Yellowwood commercials who dresses up like a cowboy. <laughs> I am not joking. <laughs> I really love that. I love that a lot. Yeah. the hey, yellow. let's talk about... <laughs> No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not done with this. Jimmy oh, Rain. Jimmy Tell Rain. Us all about the yellow fella. Jimmy Rain, the guy who dresses up like a cowboy in a yellow cowboy hat to sell pressure treated pine to the masses. He is the number one, the number one booster for Auburn University. Still to this day, he is the reason that Brian that Brian Harson's going to get fired. Anyway, he's like the South's version of the man in the yellow hat, except <laughs> it's not a monkey. <laughs> it's, it's the Auburn fan base. <laughs> <laughs> Auburn is oh my god if you think of Auburn's fans as curious George actually it's a lot less annoying because it's like they don't understand they're just a monkey they live they lived in the wait a second yeah. Do they both have oh my god they yeah. look so similar I know oh my god if Auburn's fan base is just curious George I don't hate them anymore hold on <laughs> I'm just gonna look up it's some not their fault they're just learning yeah yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna make I'm gonna look up some curious George books book titles and let's see and replace if we, curious george with, the with auburn, auburn fan base yeah yeah, yeah. i want to see i want to see if this <laughs> if this works let's see uh um let's see curious george rides a bike uh, uh the auburn fan base rides a bike yeah that one works uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. curious george learns the alphabet the auburn fan base learns an alphabet yes <laughs> the auburn fan base goes to the hospital absolutely the auburn fan base takes a job again absolutely the auburn fan base and the pizza Oh my god. The Auburn Ooh. fan base visits the zoo. The Auburn fan base plays baseball. The Auburn fan base and Ooh. the dinosaur. <laughs> I really appreciate the Auburn fan base. One to ten and back again. Uh, just the story <laughs> the, of the, the Auburn fan base learns the, the alphabet is really good. <laughs> the it Auburn fan the Auburn fan base is ABCs. <laughs> oh man. Oh no! This one's dangerous. The Auburn fan base and the hot air balloon. 
Ooh. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. I've this totally changes the rivalry for me. I I, ret- I want to retract my rant. I'm no longer angry. They're not sanctimonious, holier than thou, like Bible people. They're just like a very curious monkey. They're just trying to get by. The Auburn fan base in the big city. That's every time they go to an SEC championship and then leave disappointed. 2017, the Auburn fan base in the big city. The Auburn fan base goes to the beach. You might as well just call that one. The Auburn fan base goes to Panama City. The Auburn fan base uh-huh. goes to Mobile. The Auburn fan base in the I Rocket. Really like... <laughs> that's when they sit. Uh, where that's are they going? When, when they when they collect enough money to send the yellow fella up on the Blue Origin rocket. That's what. So they can have a, a commercial, a Yellowwood commercial. The Auburn fan base. I also really the library. Like, this one's sweet. Auburn fan base and the puppies. That's that's this weekend. Oh, that is sweet. Oh, it is. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Here's the Curious newest George one. George votes. Wow. <laughs> the Auburn fan base votes. Oh, no. Tommy Tuberville. <laughs> Don't let him. <laughs> Don't let him do that. No, not Tommy Tuberville. They're just a curious monkey. Don't let He's them vote for Tom- Tommy Tuberville. Politics. Oh, my God. Uh, get well, Auburn fan base. Oh, oh man. Oh, man. This is really this, good. Oh, I, thank you. Uh, thank you, Yellowman. I, I don't have any more anger. At, thank you, thank you, Justin, for like bringing me this, this <laughs> Illuminati theory that the Auburn, that the yellow fella is just the man in the yellow hat from Curious uh, George. Oh, my God. Oh I'm boy. not going to be able to look at them different. Oh, the first time I see an Auburn fan, I'm mm. going to be like, God, you're so cute. Mm. You're so cute. Hey, you. Hey, buddy. All right. Do you want to talk about this? an ice cream surprise. Let's keep moving. <laughs> <laughs> I have Auburn been... fan base and the ice cream paint job. It's been a long time since I lacked this much while recording. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking about. I'm sorry. I'm just thinking about the Auburn fan base learns the ABCs again. <laughs> Hold on, I'm crying. Give me a uh... Oh my god. Okay, let's talk about some. We're going to talk about some storylines coming to this game, and then we're going to kind of pause our football talk for our qual- uh, at the end of our qualitative section. We're going to do our Patreon question from Ben and Abby. So, um, storylines. Do you want to go through some of these with me, Justin? <laughs> yeah, we're back to square one with the storylines, huh? Is Georgia a legit title contender? It seems like <laughs> we're, back, we're back there again, which is fair based on the last two weeks of performance, but... You know, after the Kent State game, we had a lot to say, and we were like, you know, it's going to be okay. And then the Mizzou game happened, and we were like, is it going to be okay? Uh, and so we're, we're kind of back there again with storylines, I feel. Um, mm-hmm. Which I hope that, based on the next point we have here, this is being a big recruiting weekend for Georgia, that we do show up as a legit title contender. Otherwise, it may be sort of dreary for us in the next few years, and it, it may very much hurt our... Uh, recruiting chances. So, how are you feeling about those pieces there? Um, with, with with those with what's happened in the season so far? I I mean, I put down is Georgia a legit title contender? Not that I've seen that a lot of places, but I feel like that is sort of the like message board narrative from opposing fans. Mm-hmm. I don't really think that matters um, right now. I think that UGA got a bunch of you know number one overall recruiting classes when it hadn't won a national title since 1980. And that winning an Addy kind of fixes a lot of ills. I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried really about this game that much either. Um, mm-hmm. I think this is a big recruiting weekend. You said, who did you say? You had a note about someone who's going to be there. Um, oh, Damon Wilson this, is one uh, of the, the five-star linebacker that everybody's talking about. Yeah. Edge rusher. 
um, from Florida. He won. Uh, he, he was a, a big reason why his team uh, last year won the state championship, the 8H uh, state championship in Florida. Yeah, the one that I am excited about that I believe is going to be there this weekend is Julian Sayan. Uh, who is mm-hmm. a five-star quarterback? Now I might be this. This is probably a stupid reason that I am excited about him, but uh, his last name's Sayan, and I really want a yeah. quarterback that I can be like that. I can make gifts that where he goes Super Saiyan. Like <clears throat> this is very it's just, important. It's just right there. I really need Julian Sayan to commit to UGA and become the starting quarterback so that I can make a gif of him with long yellow hair and like. Super please powers. let us have this. Yeah, please. Um, Let's see. New Auburn. Auburn is starting a new QB for the second week. Their starter, TJ Finley, went down, I believe, in the San Jose, San Diego State game, maybe, uh, with a shoulder injury. And then they sent in, Zal- uh, I think, Zach Calzada was our second, uh, was their second, mm-hmm. uh, was their second string quarterback who also is now out for the season. I don't think TJ Wolf. Finley's out for the season, but he does have a shoulder injury. And now they're starting Robbie Ashford, who is, I believe, an Oregon transfer that's been up and down this year. Yeah, he's he a is, yeah. yeah, he's a very talented guy. He is a dual threat guy who can really bomb the ball. He's not a great intermediate passer, but he can run and he can do scrambles and throw the ball deep. So that is sort of like, I, I think that's like a major. I want to not issue, but a major sort of storyline coming into this game is does does Robbie Ashford have the athleticism to really stress this defense that at times has had problems with running quarterbacks? Uh, let's see. We'll see. Oh, okay. Here's a good question. And I open this question up to you, Justin, because and I'd like to hear <clears throat> both of our answers from this. Under what circumstances does Brian Harson not get fired on Sunday? So if Brian Harson, if Auburn just wins this game, I don't think Brian Harson gets fired. But like, yeah, assuming Georgia wins. How many points does Georgia uh-huh. have to win front by? How close of a game does this have to be for Brian Harson not to get fired on Sunday? Because they have a bye week next week, and I you would expect that this would be the time. This is the time to do it, yeah. Um, I mean, they might already have it. Um, how, how has he not gotten fired yet is my real question. Is like, they probably could have gotten away with it before now. And so is there a world in which they've just decided they're not going to let him go before no i like on, I, on the bye weekend what do you th- i i think he's gone i f- what i have read is that maybe they're waiting for it to be just like a good transitional time and to have the bye week i uh i don't know i'm not totally sure but i i i'm i'm yeah. almost certain that he's gone this year like they're they're the the reasons they they want him gone really have a lot more to do with than just on field performance. I think, you know, mm-hmm. Auburn fans are probably and Auburn boosters are probably rightfully upset at the fact that they haven't, you know, really recruited very well in this year. I think they're yeah. dead last in recruiting right now. Um, so I think he's pretty much gone. Yeah, regardless, and that's that's very yeah. true. I mean, they're playing uh, at Ole Miss when they come back from the bye week, so it's one of those things where it's like. You know, you need a better excuse as to why you're not playing well. And sometimes getting rid of a coach and, and mixing yeah. things up is, also, you know, it's more hopeful for those recruits that yeah. are seeing you play against a top 10 team. And, and they're about to they're they're about to hire a new athletic director. And I don't think they want their new athletic director's first act on the job to be firing Brian Harson. Yeah, you, you kind of clear house before the new folks get in. So they kind of start with a clean slate. Yeah. Makes sense to me. 
So yeah, either either this is it, regardless of what happens. Like if they win and they still fire him, <laughs> or <laughs> we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the very last piece here that that folks are talking about that I've kind of seen here and there is that you know with the last couple games there is a lot of tape now on Georgia that shows sort of what our weaknesses are. And my question to you that folks are speculating about on forums is, does Auburn have the skill to exploit those weaknesses that we've seen? Um, short answer is no. Mm-hmm. Longer answer is, I don't think this team particularly matches up well with what UGA's problems are. Uh, they mm-hmm. are they are just not good offensively. And Missouri also wasn't not wasn't good offensively, but they're actually just really, really bad offensively, and they have been this whole year. Um, and on mm-hmm. top of that, their defense is is okay, but like way worse, I think, than uh, UGA's are way worse than Missouri's. Right? Like their defense has some ranks in the hundreds, whereas Missouri's were all kind of mm-hmm. in the thirties. So I don't, I don't think so. That that's probably a good place to leave it before we get into the quantitative uh, review or preview, yeah. rather. But yeah, I, I mm-hmm. don't think they do. But I can, I think I can prove why. So, do you want to do before okay. we get into our quantitative preview? Let's go ahead and do our pre- Patreon question of the week from Ben and Abby, our fifty dollars patrons on patreon.com forward slash Chapel Bell Curve. You too can get a question of the week submitted and answered if you would like to get on our Patreon at that level. The Suzaphone section has been mm-hmm. threatening, by the way, to fundraise and just put a, <laughs> to unionize yeah, like a $50 <laughs> account that is just the entire season section where they all have the discord login is really terrifying to me. I love that um so it's like a uh it's like a let's play like a nuzlocke run yeah yeah it's, <laughs> it's, like, a, it's like a <laughs> twitch chat plays pokemon but on our discord that's terrifying I really love that idea um so so a question I have this question I want to ask this question to you because I think you are you are better at answering this question than I am so what is your current new favorite non-football podcast that you would recommend? Um, there are several right now. One, you know, one thing that uh, one podcast that I really love and have loved for many years is You're Wrong About. Uh, it's all about sort of pop culture phenomenon that uh, we got wrong based on just sort of what we perceive from the media. It's especially exciting to get into You're Wrong About right now if you're not because. You know, uh, Chapel Bell Curve friend of the show, Amanda Mole, was just on the show this week speaking to Sarah Marshall. And so I, I messaged Amanda Mole and I, I told her, like, um, I'm going to somehow make this about me and say that I am now just one degree away from one of my favorite podcasts. So that is that. But also congratulations. But uh, Amanda Mole gets on there and talks all about um, another thing she knows a ton about. And it's really good. Um, other shows that I really enjoy... I really love uh, D&D podcasts. There's several out there. Dungeons and Daddies. Um, Not Another D&D Podcast is really great. Um, the Penumbra Podcast is really great. Uh, and then some short series that I'm really enjoying right now are um, Good Cult is really good. And I have downloaded recently a show called Heaven Bent that I'm excited to listen to as well. Uh, that's a little bit of the sort of Oh, and the Bechtel cast. I'll say that, too. The Bechtel cast is really good. Uh, I don't usually like movie podcasts, but this is a really good one. And it's very thoughtful and well-researched. And, yeah, I think those are those are mine for now. All right. So I have a few. What about uh, you? So I just listened to In the Red Clay, which is a it's a 12-part 
mini series podcast about the Dixie Mafia, which was actually based out of Watkinsville, Georgia, all the way through the fifties mm-hmm. when its main its main or I guess sixties when the main guy behind the Dixie Mafia got put into prison for murder. It's very, very good and it's just about <laughs> like very southern gothic murder stuff. I also just re-listened to this this podcast. It's another one I really like like short inve- short form investigative podcasts. Uh mm-hmm. And my absolute favorite one ever is called White Lies. Uh, It's about these two guys from Birmingham going and investigating the murder of a white civil rights activist in the days leading up to the Bloody Sunday protests. Uh, And it's just about these two guys who are from Birmingham going back to their hometown in Alabama and kind of trying to figure out who murdered this guy and why the person who murdered him never was uh, was never like convicted it's really good i also kind of like so like i am i am traditionally like kind of a wuss when it comes to horror stuff like i don't Mm -hmm. really watch horror movies but i'm kind of fascinated by them so there are i i kind of did i've been dipping my toe into some horror stuff uh some horror narrative podcasts um i listened to this one called cryptids that is about cryptids and it's about this like fake uh conspiracy radio show uh broadcaster and and someone who's like in the cryptozoology community that basically like link up and investigate like a like a a pattern of deaths of like famous people um and it's really good i I love narrative podcasts uh the best probably the best one that i've ever read or that i've ever listened to rather is limetown um limetown is it's like an npr crew try it it sounds like an npr true crime podcast or like a true crime podcast but it like quickly becomes apparent that not only is this fictional it's also one of the scariest things i've ever listened to it's so good um and as we are kind of approaching uh spoopy season i really i'm really enjoying it it, baby um i don't know if you've heard alice isn't dead it's made by the same people who made welcome to nightmare or welcome to nightmare welcome to nightmare jesus the same people who made Welcome to Night Vale, which, of course, I, I highly recommend Welcome to Night Vale, but that's not new or anything. But Alice Isn't Dead is about this, like, lady who takes a job as, uh, like, a long-haul trucker. And sort of the whole motivation behind her taking it is that she's investigating her presumed dead wife, Alice. And she's convinced that her wife is not dead. Um and it's just like a super it has a real like welcome to night veil vale kind of feel where it's not like openly scary but it's just like super creepy i don't know how you would describe it justin like it, it's just like a it, it's not going to like it's unsettling yeah it's not going to like about it. totally keep you from sleeping but it's just like a little weird or whatever and and i really enjoy that let's see um yeah the I, the best way i can describe it it's very similar to that. that reminds me of the Magnus Archive. Yes. Which is yeah. also very good. Another yeah, narrative I lo- podcast. I love the Magnus it's Archive. It's one of those things that's like, it's just going to stay with you after you finish the episode for some time, is the best way I can put it. Uh, there's a podcast I just, I listened to, let's see, a few ways, a few, let's see. A few years ago, I listened to it, and I'm about to listen to it again because I just really like it. 
Uh, I'll mention Ghost Church. Ghost Church is another really cool one. What That's is a, that? a new narrative, not narrative, but um, investigative uh, journalism podcast. It's a limited series, and Jamie Loftus is the uh, investigative journalist who goes through and interrogates the concept and uh, tradition of American spiritualism, which a lot of people don't know about. It's sort of like if you could imagine what we sort of perceive in popular media as like, <clears throat> like white people voodoo in a way like yeah um uh, spiritism like really su- yeah like spiritism um like there's still tarot cards and like mediums and people who like if you've ever had a family member or know somebody who has a family member who mm-hmm. has like a cousin or an aunt who is a psychic um and in, in the kind of way where you're like i believe her um that's very similar to the idea and tradition of american spiritualism uh, it's very interesting and it sh- like sort of shines some light on a sect of religion in America that I had no idea that really existed. And it's very interesting. Okay. I figured out what, also the, spooky. what the name of this podcast is. There's a podcast called, uh, there's a podcast called the message, which is a narrative mm-hmm. podcast about a group of researchers who have like figured out who, who are like kind of SETI style researchers who have just figured out they've received the first message from aliens. Uh, and it's, it's a really cool narrative podcast because it's told as though there's an intern who is making a podcast. Like there's like a teen, not teenage, but there's like a college aged intern who's making a podcast for these people. And it starts out as this very boring, like, here's what we do around our job today. And she just like happens to be recording when they discover this message and sort of like slowly <laughs> like unpacks it and it just like gets weirder and weirder and weirder. And it's like, um, it's not scary, it, but it is kind of creepy. And then it has a, um, it has a kind of sequel called life after, which is set, mm-hmm. I believe in the same world. And it's about this FBI agent who, who loses his wife whose wife dies in a car accident and then he's like super depressed and he's listening to her like voice posts from this like audio only social media platform and she starts talking to him again in the voice posts it's oh it's very good i want to hear that yeah so those are both highly recommended all right that was our patreon question of the week which you can add your own question if you get on uh, patreon.com forward slash travel bill curve and pledge us some money Anyway, so pledge that money. Let's get back into now that we've cooled off. We had a rant. We've cooled down. We've got our heads in the right place. We're ready to approach this from a place of logic and reason and stats and stop yelling about Curious George. Now that our our emotions are <laughs> never stop yelling about Curious. The George. The adrenaline has gone down. Our serotonin levels are up. We don't need to yell about Curious George anymore. So let's do some quantitative <laughs> previewing. So, Justin, are you ready? Yes. I am so ready. Tell me about the numbers, Nathan. Who is Auburn? I would say they're a near dumpster fire. They're not really a dumpster fire, but they're like a dumpster that is next to another dumpster on fire. And Auburn is like making eyes at the dumpster on fire and being like, ooh, who's this lady across the bar? Look at that dumpster on fire. I want to be like her. You know, they're they're close. Um, Tell me all about it. Before TJ Finley got injured, he went 33 for 52, which is a 63% percentage uh, completion percentage. He had 427 yards over three games, one touchdown, four interceptions, and five sacks. Surrendered before he was uh, not benched, but injured in favor of Calzada. He had negative 0.28 EPA per play. Big oof, not good. 
He was replaced Bam. by Zach Calzada briefly, and then by Robbie Ashford, who has so far has gone 26 for 45 for a 58% completion percentage. One touchdown passing, three interceptions, <clears> and four sacks surrendered. He has a negative 0.2 EPA per play, only slightly less big oof. So if oof. you accept the premise, which I think most people do, that most football teams in the modern college football space are ran through their quarterbacks, I think those stats alone are sort of a good microcosm of how Auburn season has gone either because of whiffing on quarterback recruiting or because of just an inability to field a decent offensive line that can keep their quarterback out upright. Auburn's offense has pretty much gone nowhere this year per CFB data uh. using their adjusted EPA. They are currently 81st in offensive EPA. They are 86th in offensive success rate. They're 73rd in pass EPA. They're 113th in passing down EPA and they're 109th in per points per opportunity. They haven't been able to move the ball through the air successfully, consistently. They haven't been able to rush consistently, even with two very good rushing running backs. And they haven't passed very well on a consistent basis. And then on top of all of that, they haven't really finished drives. Their lone offensive bright spot is explosiveness at number 16. Now, I would say this is something that our coaches are going to have to really look for. By the way, these all of these stats are from CFBdata.com, but they were assembled for us by our good friend Ryan Moore. Uh, this is his sort of Thank Auburn you, stats update that I'm pulling a lot of these from. Um, so they are pretty good explosively. Now, in part, this is because Robbie Ashford, a big part of his skill set is that he can just bomb the ball. Robbie Ashford doesn't have a high Detmer, which is the uh, sickos <clears throat> is is one of my favorite stats of all time. It's the uh, the sickos committee stat about like just bailing the ball down down the field. Just like how exciting are you as a quarterback, even if it's good or bad? Mm -hmm. His Detmer is not that high, but he will bomb the ball for down. Like he absolutely will. Um, so that is relevant for this defense because last week, Missouri had an EPA of negative 6.77 against us. But if we took explosive plays out, which I think there were like four big ones, their, their EPA mm -hmm. drops to a negative 27.33. So this is a team that, Georgia that is, that has given up some big plays that have hurt them. And this is an Auburn team that a has nothing to lose. Literally has nothing to lose. B yeah. is basically playing for pride and C has a quarterback that can bomb the ball. I would expect that this week, a focus in defensive practices for UGA was how to keep plays in front of them, right? How to prevent explosive plays. I don't think that at this point, this is an offense that is going to move the ball with any amount of consistency on this UGA defense, but I would worry about a mobile quarterback who has a big arm and can scramble, right? This is a quarterback who is going to try to make some things happen, even when he probably shouldn't. So on the one hand, that's great. That's <laughs> opportunities for turnovers. That's opportunities for non-offensive touchdowns. But on the other hand, that's also opportunities for stupid Auburn plays. And anytime you play Auburn, you have to minimize the number of stupid Auburn plays that happen. Uh, in terms of where Georgia is right now, you know, this is an Aub this is an Auburn defense that is pretty decent in most defensive stats are in the 30s, but they have the they have two big exceptions that I think matter. One, their points per opportunity is 104th. They have not been good at stopping uh stopping teams once they get past their own 40. Once they get in the kind of maroon zone, they haven't been good at stopping teams. And they have a havoc of 107th. So they haven't been able to They've been pretty stingy on a down-by-down -down basis, but if you can get a drive going against them, you can get points out of it because they just can't get teams off the field in third down because of a lack of havoc. They're averaging about 2.5 turnovers a game created, but they still have a negative turnover rating, which just kind of shows you how their Jeez. quarterback play has gone. 
offensively, uh-huh. despite the last two weeks, Georgia is still still is a is a statistically elite offense, right? Number one in passing offensive success rate, passing number eighteenth in offensive offensive line yards, fifth in rush EPA, thirty first in pass EPA, eighth in standard downs EPA, tenth in passing downs EPA, right? So this is still an elite offense, even after having had two kind of subpar performances. I think that I think that it's fair to say that. That was a 30th to 50th percentile performance last week. Same for the week before for mm-hmm. UJ's offense. So when UJ's offense is on the field, this is not a game that... Let me rephrase. Because God knows what can happen. And I'm a, <laughs> I'm a Georgia fan and I'm scared. This is, a game, this is a game that tells us that the stats tell us that Georgia should be able to move the ball and score points. As long as this Georgia offense can get out of its way and not turn the ball over... The stats tell us that Georgia should be able to put this game away comfortably, right? Now, when Auburn has the ball, the concern is going to be explosive plays and especially explosive plays off of broken plays where where Robbie Ashford is scrambling. Robbie Ashford to this point this year has not proven that he can play the sort of like down-to-down NFL style West Coast passing game, move the ball, uh, you know, sort of incrementally down the field game. But he has shown that he can bomb the ball. So I think when Auburn has the ball, your biggest concern is just going to be, can UGA keep everybody in front of them? Can they avoid giving up big 68-yard runs, right, like they did against Missouri? Now, complicating that is that Auburn has two very good running backs. Their their backfield is Mm -hmm. led by Tank Bigsby. I saw in the Auburn LSU (laughs) game, yeah, Tank Bigsby still still a top 10 overall name of all time in college football. But in the Auburn LSU game, they they had a stat that Tank Bixby is like number one in the country in yards after contact, but his average yards before contact is like 0.1 yards. So like even with a bad offensive line, hmm. Tank Bixby is having a good year because he is like consistently able to fight through tackles, like sometimes in the backfield, right? So Jeez. I think another big thing that the Georgia defense is going to have to really think about this week is getting Tank Bixby to the ground when they touch him. Because he does not have a good enough offensive line to to give him big holes, right? To give him easy running lanes, but he has showed the ability to fight off tackles. So this is going to be this is a guy that you cannot arm tackle. And Robbie Ashford, again as a runner, has been pretty effective. He is also a guy that you really shouldn't try to arm tackle. So again, I think my overall message, stats wise, in terms of how things look so far as I can tell, is that. If UGA has a 70th percentile game, if UGA, if you took all of the the outcomes of this game and how well UGA could play and you put them on a, on a bell curve, right? Mm-hmm. I oh. would say, ah, like it's the name of the thing. I would say. Run that, the credits. Yeah. He said the name of the movie. <laughs> but if you put all of all of the sort of like possibilities, how well UGA could play on a bell curve, I would say that it's fair to say, right, that the last two performances from UGA have been in the left half quartile, the lower quartile of the bell curve, somewhere between mm-hmm. 30th% and 50th% percent in most statistics based on what we have from gameonpaper.com. So I think this is a game where if UGA has a 70th percentile game or an 80th or a 90th percentile game, they win easily. If they just can play as good as they can, basically, this should not be a close game, right? However, mm-hmm. UGA has proven over the last two weeks that it's the kind of team that doesn't just come out and automatically dominate people, right? And that kind of leads me into our predictions, right? Currently, Vegas has this as uh, 
UJ minus 27.5, but I think it's gone as high as like minus 29.5 at some places. We, in our numbers, is CBCR2, Sam, has this as a 24.8 game. So our numbers don't have UGA covering. But either way, what our number C is, if UGA plays up to its level of ability, that this game will not be a one-score game in the second half. That this will be a game that in the fourth mm-hmm. quarter, we will take Stetson Bennett out. So that's where that's Ooh. where we're left. Because I think we are getting in... CBCR2 sees the, the last two games and has lowered our prediction against Auburn, right? I think last year, or last... Mm-hmm. Before the last two games, this this was like a 30, 40 point game, right? And this lowered yeah. it quite a bit because we just haven't had good performances. But, you know, Auburn is still 77th in uh, average yard percentage gained net. They're 77th in net success rate. They are 60th in net yards per play, right? Their EPA per play is 99th total, right? Uh, this is an Auburn team that we sh- can and should beat. And like I said in the Missouri review, the question is really less about Auburn, and it's more about is this U- is this UGA team going to live up to its ability, right? And so, yeah, I don't know. And that leads us into our predictions. So, what do we think? As you, I mean, looking at these numbers and looking at these numbers and and sort of going over everything and seeing how the matchup sort of shows us that Georgia is obviously the dominant team. It is. It feels a little bit like deja vu. Looking at the, the, you know, this team matched up against Mizzou last week. Like it's not far off statistically speaking. I think Auburn definitely has more talent. Obviously, uh, however, they're statistically strong in similar ways to Missouri, as the you know the numbers showed us. But I'm hoping that we start to sort of, uh, I guess, widen the gap again. Um, for how this Georgia team does against other teams, especially in the SEC now that we're moving in, in you know, into the predominantly SEC uh, part of the year. I think it's 29 and a half was that original spread. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be honest, I picked against Georgia in our pick'em in our Discord not to lose to Auburn, but because I learned three weeks in that it was <laughs> we were we were picking against the spread um, in our pick'em, and so I'm not doing too hot. But um, <laughs> I did not feel great about the 29 and a half point spread, and and I still don't feel great about the 27 and a half and 24.8 that Sam says is still feels big, um, just because of how we have been playing the last couple weeks. We're we're getting the job done, but we're not getting the job done in the way that you know everybody, not everybody, but. Uh, statistics say we should be getting the job done. Um, and so I think it's still a, a, a I want to see a dominant win and I expect to see a dominant win, but I also expect to see uh, some probably upsetting things happen the first half. And so uh, I'll go with a, a Georgia win at uh, probably 38 to Auburn's say 14. I think they'll get a couple. Okay. What about you? Yeah, I think this is going to be a game where we could probably see a return to form from UJ's offense. I think that UJ's offense is good. So I it's hard for me it's hard for me to see this offense just randomly coughing up two turnovers, which God knows they could. But I'm going to be wearing my bit my my special board pants from the day one. I'm going to have my national championship oh, shoes on. Thank you. I'm going to have I'm going to have the whole thing. So if this happens, it's not going to be my fault. But 
I, I do think that we see a return to form from this Auburn or from this UJ offense. However, I, I will also say that I, I expect that Auburn down in and down out will not have a lot of success, success offensively just because like their offensive line is just not good. <laughs> they, they just aren't. And maybe, and if UJ can generate any kind of pass rush and any kind of penetration into the backfield, we're going to be fine. Um, but I do think that, this is an Auburn team that has enough talent, especially with Tank Bigsby and with Robbie Ashford's tendency to just chuck it, that, you know, they're going to probably get a, if not freebie, but I, I I don't think, I don't see this this UGA defense holding this Auburn offense without a touchdown. So what I have it as is, is yeah. UGA 35, Auburn 13. So UGA not covering, but again, not having to punt very often and kind of returning to form offensively, but still maybe giving up a couple of dumb plays defensively yeah and i will say i'll add this auburn team is averaging two and a half turnovers every game mm-hmm. and that's not great five games into the season like that's a, that's that's a stat i i expect to see at like the second game when stats are sort of inflated still but two and a half turnovers per game by the fifth game or the sixth game is is that's hard that's rough that's really bad and if that's the auburn team that shows up maybe we do cover the spread well, but we'll just have to see so based on who shows up what's, i guess what's crazy uh, is that like they are getting a lot of takeaways, but still have well, not a lot, but they are getting they've they've been getting some takeaways, but they've also turned the mm-hmm. ball over twelve times in the first five games. Oh, this yeah, I'll say this is that two and a half turnovers was me saying that's how many the, they're, they're giving, giving up. up. Yeah, excuse me. Yeah, so it's yeah. like yeah, this is not a team that takes care of the ball very well for several reasons. One of them being that Robbie Ashford just is kind of fast and loose with the ball. And another mm-hmm. being that they just put their running backs in positions where they are tackled in the backfield quite a bit. So, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I suspect that this should be a, a, I hope that this is less of a heart of a, a heart attack game for UGA fans, because mm-hmm. I, I don't, it's not that I don't believe in this UGA defense. It's just that like, I, I think that we can be honest about where this UGA defense is. They're very talented, but they're young. They don't always run fit the way they should. So, like, if this was, like, an Auburn 20 UGA, like, 42, that also wouldn't shock me to see Auburn actually move the mm-hmm. ball a little bit. But then, ultimately, UGA pulls away. The thing that I believe in in this UGA, in this, on this UGA team, is that, especially if we have a healthy Arian Smith, if we start incorporating Dominic Blaylock more, if we have a return to form blocking wise from Brock Bowers, this is a this is a UGA offense that should score teams on score points on any team in the nation, right? And so, yeah, I I at least trust in that. So let's let's take a minute yeah. here, just right at the end. Let's talk about some games of note around the country today. Yeah, one of my favorite teams right now, and I hope that's everyone's favorite team because we love a Cinderella story here on Chapel Bell Curve. Is the Kansas mm-hmm. this Kansas team who's five zero going against? the 5-0 TCU, which it's it's just, it's very funny to see them come from where they've come from. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've been following along, Kansas is 5-0 for the first time since 2009. And I believe I saw somewhere that they have averaged 1.8 wins in the last 12 years mm-hmm. um, per season, which is rough. Oh, so rough. And then uh, TCU's coach, they have a new coach, is the first to win his first four games at TCU since the year of our Lord, 1929. Just let all of those things sink yeah. in. Like, I cannot imagine being in Lawrence, Kansas. It's Lawrence, Kansas, I believe, yeah. right? Um, where Kansas is. Uh, I, I cannot imagine being there this week 
when your team is ranked 19th and they're playing against or your team is ranked 17th playing against a 19th ranked team and just all of the hype all of the excitement going on Mm -hmm. uh you know in that town this week leading up to game day on saturday yeah it's a shame it's a noon game it is what it is uh but I'm excited to see sort of what happens. It's been exciting yeah, football to watch. Kansas offensively has looked really good. I believe TCU's mm-hmm. offensive coordinator is, I want to say, Riley from uh, Lincoln Riley's brother, I think. And so TCU okay. has a very interesting offense. But Kansas, from with Lance Leipold, both pre- and post-snap, they do a lot of really interesting things. Lance Leipold is going to be probably the name on the coaching search uh carousel this year that a lot of people are entering into the mm-hmm. sweepstakes you've already heard interest for him from nebraska and lance leipold is kind of the reason that wisconsin fired their coach not the only reason but part of the reason is that they want to have access to him because leipold is from wisconsin and played at wisconsin whitewater uh i think it would be really fun if leipold stayed at kansas mm-hmm. and they just like made a statue to him but yeah jalen daniels <laughs> jalen daniels has been unreal this year who's kansas quarterback kansas's offense is a legit top 10 top 20 offense so it should be a really fun game um you have a note here yeah. how does alabama fare against their supposed kryptonite in texas a&m i'm gonna go ahead and tell you i'm gonna go ahead and tell you how they're gonna fare they're going to they're going to like cut up texas a&m's body and like feed it to pigs feed it to arkansas <laughs> that's what they're gonna do like like mm-hmm. you have an alabama team coming off of a dominant win that's already been scared once this year they've already been taken from first to second this year, which they're going to take as total disrespect. And this is a team that, you know, Jimbo Fisher insulted their coach over the summer. And they had like a little, like a little, uh, war, war of the words. I would be, I would be absolutely shocked if Alabama does not like pace them. Now, the one exception is that mm-hmm. it sounds like Bryce Young is going to play, but Texas A&M can't play offense at all, but they're very talented on both sides of the ball. So if Texas A&M can make this like a rock fight, and Bryce Young doesn't play, then I can see maybe it being close. But if Bryce Young plays, I think Alabama is going to like, like true crime style. Like Alabama is going to beat Texas A&M in a way that is going to inspire a true crime documentary. You know what I mean? Where it's like, yeah, a limited series will, come yeah, out a limited soon series. After. Like some poor, some poor journalist is going to become obsessed with this murder that's about to happen and like ruin their lives because of it. Yeah, that's I think the kind of game this is going to be. Mm-hmm. It's like we'll sit there afterwards and say, "Do you hear that?" It's like, "What is it?" It's the sound of millions of white women enjoying this limited series about Alabama and Texas A&M. Yeah. It'll be incredible. Yeah. I, I want to see. I, I want to live in a world, though, where the polls only put Alabama back at number one because they knew that they were playing A&M this weekend. Mm-hmm. And just the tabloids would love it. be so good. There is, however, I will say another game going on this weekend that is... Uh, it's consequential for us in a way, depending on how it goes. I think it's consequential regardless. We just got to keep watching this Tennessee team and how they are faring. Uh, number eight, Tennessee's playing the now ranked number 25 LSU somehow ranked. Um, depending on where we are, I feel like with injuries, when Tennessee does come to town, it might be a very, very trying game for us. And we have been thinking that all season, but, uh, what are your thoughts on, on that game coming up? I think that. Tennessee should win this game, but it, the most Tennessee thing in the world would be to lose this game and then beat Alabama. So who knows? Mm-hmm. I, you know, <laughs> I think that LSU is pretty talented, but if they do what they did last week against Auburn and look disorganized on offense, that tech, Tennessee is going to score like 28 in the first quarter. Because if you were disorganized, mm-hmm. that Tennessee offense is just going to put up points on you. 
Tennessee should win this game, but the most Tennessee a thing ever would not be to, for them to win it. So who knows? Yeah, that'll be a very interesting time for uh, the Alabama-Tennessee game uh, next week, especially if Tennessee continues to win. We could see them as close to, I think, like six, uh, you know, if Clemson keeps winning yeah. and whatnot. We'll see. Yeah. Man, what are, there, are there any other games that, that you have your eye I... on at all? I'm relatively interested in a couple of the lower tier games. I think ECU Tulane, which is happening at the same time as our game, is kind of interesting because Tulane might mm-hmm. like go to the Tulane might have like a conference championship team this year, and I think that's kind of cool because I like Willie Fritz. Yeah, I think that NC State Florida State, two kind of uh, yes. above average to mediocre teams that are matching up well, should be really fun. Uh, let's see. I think. F- um, <laughs> Just in terms of shot and flight, Florida Missouri should be really interesting. We have that as a we have that as an eight point Florida win, but I feel like it's just going to be a struggle less for everybody. Uh, let's see. Mm-hmm. I I think this is a pretty good week of football, but I'm not sure that it has like the one marquee matchup outside of Kansas and TCU. Uh, you know, Mississippi mm-hmm. State Arkansas is going to be fun just because something stupid is going to happen. And so that's that's exciting uh, because when those two teams play, I mean, it's not quite as bad as like, you know, the six overtime Arkansas. What is that? Arkansas Ole Miss or whatever that went into like 10 overtimes. Arkansas LSU has done that. That, that should be. Yeah. Kind of, so that but I still think it'll be stupid and fun. Of course, the Red River year, the Red River rivalry slash shootout slash showdown is this weekend. Uh, I think Texas has a pretty good offense. that should beat Oklahoma. But I still think that's kind of an interesting game just because. I think Texas might be okay, and Oklahoma just got absolutely torched by the aforementioned TCU Horn Frogs. Uh, Michigan State, Ohio State, mm-hmm. that's going to be a, a slaughter, so not that interesting. Uh, Memphis, Houston should be fun. A couple of good group of five games, you know. It's hard for me to really look past UGA Auburn, even though it might not be a fun game, ultimately. Like, if I were a neutral fan, I don't know that I would watch this UGA Auburn game. I, I think there are much better, much Probably more not. interesting things to watch, but yeah. So do you want to take us out? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So this podcast you just heard has been Chapel Bell Curve. You can find us, as you most likely did, on iTunes, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere else you can subscribe to a podcast. If you would like to get in touch with us on Facebook, you can do so by searching Chapel Bell Curve. Do so on email by searching, or (laughs) you don't really search emails, but uh, if you figure out how to do that, go for it. But you can send us an email at chapelbellcurve at gmail.com, on Twitter and Instagram, also at chapelbellcurve. If you like what you heard today, as we said before, we would love to have you on our Discord uh, by going over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash chapelbellcurve. For as little as $1, you can join a lovely group of people. Um, One thing we did not mention earlier is that we are having a meetup next week. If uh, you're on Twitter, uh, hop on there, find us. You'll see the meetup news. Maybe we'll put that in the show notes just so everyone's aware. Um, Or we'll just kind of, you know, we'll talk to you about it again on our uh, review episode of this game but uh leave us late rating and review if you enjoyed today's episode we would really appreciate it and until next time you hear us on the airwaves we're going to catch you in the classic city this week and until then go dogs, go dogs.